Man, I'm about 21, maybe 22 minutes into this podcast, and you are speaking some truth. Man, I just wanted to message you and tell you that. Keep keep just spreading the good word, man, because you know what? It's true. If we want to see change in our community, you know, it's, it's got to start with us. And that's, I don't care if you black, white, Hispanic, whatever, it starts in our homes, you know, and I agree with, man, I agree with everything you're saying, brother. Keep keep spreading that good message, man. Love you, bro. Good morning, Gary, with Convicted Conversations. This is Tanisha Graham with Business Talk. I love what you're doing with your podcast. It is a great asset for the people who have been convicted in starting their new journey. You have a lot of valuable information for the community, and I think it's an awesome podcast. I've listened to every episode and haven't been disappointed yet. Make sure you guys subscribe to Convicted Conversations. You know, murdered in Limestone Penitentiary. Limestone is the largest lockup in the nation's poorest prison system. of the inmate population is dirt poor. So there's no such thing as pleasures in prison. Sure, I might be able to eat me a hamburger once a week if I know the right people, but that's nothing. That's nothing compared to sleeping up under air conditioning. That's nothing compared to watching the NBA Finals on a widescreen TV. This is a world within a world. You got, you got everything under the sun here. You got homosexuality, Run rapid. You got gambling. You got gangs. You got you got everything. See Junk food and toiletries from the commissary serve as legal tender in prison. Cash money is illegal, and any item not purchased from the prison store is contraband. So bags of instant coffee and candy are the money in the underground economy. The old rules that govern exactly how business is transacted in the penitentiary are as precise as NASDAQ. The hustling party is because people don't have any money. This is how the game works. I ain't got no means of money. I got a box full of candy back there. Cookies, zoos, and wham-whams is what they call it. Uh, I'm gonna loan it to another inmate. I'll let you get a pack of cookies for two packs back next week. If, if a man bars, too much stuff, it gets too far in debt. Either you fight for it and let him know I'm not gonna pay you, so man, you're just gonna have to whoop each other's ass and we're gonna go to lock up and we're gonna go back here and fuck just every how you wanna do it. That's, that's the way it works. <laughs> he might have borrowed 10 suits and ended up fucking out his ass the rest of his life while he's here on account of 10 suits got him that way because 10 suits if you can't pay it this way it's gonna cost you 20 suits next week and the week after that it's gonna be 40 suits so sooner or later the man's gonna step to you and tell you hey i'm tired of your shit mindy was preyed upon by convicts who used the boo game the boo game consists of terror tactics and loan sharking to turn a guy out one of the first things they're gonna throw up is the stuff they've given you you know you owe them for that 
and then they kind of put the boo down with it, the boo game, and to where you own that plus interest, you know. They try to get you in a bind. Race, gang membership, smarts, black market profits all determine who's on top. Mark Moore, serving 20 for a gang shooting, was feared and respected at Limestone Correctional. Mark would become Mindy's man. Mindy, that's his nickname. I gave him a nickname all. And he was my baby. I was comfortable with him. In prison, your boys or your sisters, that's, that's like your wife or your woman on the street. On the streets, bring money or get you whatever. In prison, the more coffee you have, the more cigarettes and bullshit you have, it gives you what you want. The little records is in full of physics. It's going down for the new millennium, baby. Y'all better tell them boys in there who I am, man. You know me, Mark was notorious. He thrived in Limestone's Wild West atmosphere. Back in the day, getting drunk and shit. Funny niggas, they let them know I wasn't no punk and shit. You know, I put the stove on niggas, a load on niggas. Cat is a tag wall, getting rolled on niggas. You know, I got more candy on my ride and reason. As far as uh, me being ashamed or having a complex about it, I don't. Because I'm a strong believer, if uh, you got to be ashamed of something that you do, you shouldn't do it. This society away from society mirrors the actual society out there. We have religion, we have schools, we have uh, drugs, we have sex, we have uh, all types of vices. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to work in a prison that didn't have some vices in it. And sometimes those things keep them busy. They keep some out of our hair. Now, there again, I don't condone it. And if we catch them, we'll punish them. But I know it goes on, and it probably does have some element of helping us keep control. The more shit, you know, like coffee and cigarettes, things like of that nature that I got, the more I want. The more boys that I picked up, the more I wanted. Um, it was like a, it became a challenge to see a pretty little young boy uh, come in and uh, everybody shooting at him, everybody trying to get him, everybody trying to pull him in. So it became a, 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 a challenge. It made my dick hard to chase him, to see if I could get him before anyone else. I met Mark on the chain gang. Uh, I would say it was in 98. I wouldn't talk to him for the first couple of days because I was too scared. But then after that, I kind of loosened up a little bit and I, I got, got high with him. He was running a store and uh, I had uh, a person I was looking out for as far as loaning and stuff. But when so I'd go to Mark and get stuff and loan it out for a money order or whatever and uh, just pay Mark off. 
So that's how we got acquainted, was just through business. He came to me, Mindy came to me, and requested to be with me, you know what I'm saying? Which was rather strange, because this is, it's like the first guy that ever pulled up on me and said, hey man, uh, can I be with you? You know, so it was rather shocking. So we ended up uh, doing a, uh, a uh, business transaction on some money. And uh, he asked me if uh, if I would do something for him. And I told him, I told him yeah. Of course, at the time I said that, I didn't have that in mind. But that's what it ended up being. So, you know, uh, from that point on, I, I didn't really kick it with nobody else for a little over two years. Mindy was not the only one to join Mark's makeshift clan. There was Hips, a forger. He began as a prison wife. It's really not just a sex thing. It's about having a companion. Somebody that you know is, is your friend. I got hips um, through a partner of mine. Hips went to the street and come back to prison. When he got to the camp, he owed out like three, $400 worth of shit. When he first got there from before when he was in prison. And we were business partners. Okay, when I left and he left, we met up again here at Limestone in 2000. Okay, and it was the same scenario. Mark had a boy, David Mendenhall, okay. And I run tattoos, run a store, and, and hustled, all right. So me and Mark started running the store again together, hustling, trying to make more money and more money and more money and more money. And before you know it, I ended up with two boys and he ended up with two boys and we called it a family and when he wasn't around I watched all of them and when I wasn't around he watched all of them and I got a family of my own beautiful son and a wife you always said that I could be whatever I wanted to be I once was blind and I see you made a man out of me I was high with me and get a high with me and took a picture and take this way we partied together we had sex together and you know we we fought together and we was there for each other. The relationship that we shared was uh, really like the relationship I had with my child's mother. I mean, we were so compatible, we were, you know what I'm saying? We had so, so much in common. We developed great feelings for one another. He was like my shadow. Everywhere you seen me, you seen him. We were best friends. It, it wasn't, the relationship wasn't based on Sex, you know, me fucking him in his ass. It was, it was, it was, it was more than that. You know what I'm saying? I, I cared deeply about him. And we was there for each other through this, you know, whatever situation. Uh, so that, that caused me to have feelings about him, you know, because he's as good as he was. You just, you know, you don't find too many people that's going to be that good to you. Not in this place. So that was something new to me. That's something I respected. Oh. All of them get hard. All of them's haunting. All of them got sexual desires. So what are they going to do? You won't let them have a woman. They're going to have each other. Somebody's going to have to give us some booty. And it's just that simple. <laughs> the most uh, memorable story that Fleece told us was about the place and importance that booty 
lives in a maximum security penitentiary. And he went on about it and on about it. In his prison, booty. Booty was uh, more important than food. Booty, a man's butt. It was more important, <laughs> I'm serious. It was more booty, having some booty. than drinking water. I like booty. Johnson went on to tell our crew how he used to satisfy his sexual desires, especially during the 1970s and 80s when he was most active and prison security was more lax. When I see one, and he looks good to me, when I go see him, I say, you come here. I say, I'm telling you what, uh, I like you, and I want you. And uh, uh, we can do it the easy way out of the hallway. So the choice is yours, right? And it was always yes. Johnson also had a warning for the new generation of inmates. They might be asking for trouble from old timers. You know, they got this thing where they sag their pants, pants their butt. It's a style, they call it some sort of gangster style. You know, it's sexy to us, right? And see, but they weren't prepared for this, right? So you say your pants in her, man, somebody be up in your butt, you know? And it's just that simple. Johnson even let the lockup crew know that when he was in his prime, they wouldn't be safe from his advances either. If y'all had been in her back then in them days, and as much as I like booty, I probably felt one of y'all butts as y'all was walking past me and dared you to say something. I'm not no shame in my game. This is nothing that I'm ashamed to admit. I am what I am. I'm a warrior too, you know, so let that be known. I'm a warrior. I woke up, first thing I wanted to see before I went to bed at night, the last thing I wanted to see was him. I love him. In a sense, Mark had been turned out by his own boy. He fell in love with Mindy, and in prison that made him vulnerable. But Mark wasn't one to lose control of the situation. He reminded Mindy that it was his job to lure newcomers into their circle. But when lockup visited Kentucky State... Now he worked on radios, and uh, he had fixed my radio and everything. We got to talking, eating together, you know, drinking together. We'd do a little drugs together, and we became friends. I had never turned a boy out or had a boy or anything, and that wasn't my objective. Uh, you know, I was just supposed to pull him away from the other people he was kicking it with and to kick it with us. They never threatened me, and basically, they give me anything I wanted. You know, uh, watches, clothes, boots, shoes, anything I wanted I could get. His family had cut him off. Mail calls came with no letters from home and no money on the books. Survival was looking grim. When my folks quit looking out for me, I felt betrayed. Felt like uh, I didn't deserve that. I was at the, my lowest self-esteem, so I had to find a way 
to pick me back up, make me happy, you know, make the best out of a bad situation. And uh, uh, Mark and Mendenhall, they did that. I turned out of it. Basically, he, he, he said he wanted someone to be real with him, someone to give him uh, attention and affection. And uh, he seen how I treated Mindy and my other boys, and um, he just wanted to get in, so he did. <laughs> so uh, we called him Youngin. He just trusted me, you know, with his feelings and everything else, whatever he thought about, you know, he felt he could talk to me. Julep is a, <laughs> I got a prison world whiskey. Make it out of yeast, orange juices, and uh, I'm gonna be so close to some Jim Bean whiskey. Rice. Until uh, I might, I might make Jim Bean soon. It'll get you drunk, pretty, pretty much like free world alcohol. We got to drinking that night, and uh, both of us was pretty tipsy. We were just laying on the bed back there. He was at one end of the bed, and I was at the other end of the bed. And uh, he just started rubbing on my leg. Automatically, by me, me being uh, pretty well drunk, I had uh, began to come erect, you know? And uh, I didn't have any complex about it. You know, I already liked him. He was a good looking dude. Everybody liked him. Everybody still likes him. Part of the family now, Eddie was looked after by Mark's gang, especially by an older Wheeler dealer, Jerry Gaskins, JG. I'll make sure you have something to eat every night. You know, I'll make sure you have something to smoke. I'll make sure you have some, some coffee. But I'm not never giving it to him directly. He's getting it from one of my boys. And, and, and for me, my boys get my boys. You know what I'm saying? They tell them the type of person I am, you know what I'm saying? The benefits that they have being with me. Say like if a, a new guy came today and I just pull up on him, start talking to him, spending time with him, giving him advice, he would owe me. Got some gas. Now he don't get none of that no more. And to be able to get that, then this is what he got to do. They know if they could get me and they could invest a little bit, the way the game goes, I owe them then. Because, you know, I could let them go out and, and hang out. Yeah, <laughs> You know, flirt a little bit. You know, and come back with some food or come back with some cigarettes or come back with some coffee or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I need it, need it, you know what I'm saying, to make it through the next day. It happens all the time. They could pimp me out and, uh, and make, you know, triple, you know, make a more money like that than what they've invested. So for me to live clean and uh, have what I like, I guess uh, when I started hanging around Mark and Mendenhall, they did that. Limestone is a place filled with men who have spent their lives searching for families. Mark, JG, Mindy, Hips, and Itty formed a family at Limestone Correctional. Right, and that's the way we looked at it. We had a family. After Mark had found out that uh, I had slept with Manny. He became anxious. He wanted to himself. Then, when I was spending time with him, Mendenhall would be jealous. So it was causing turmoil, in the, in, say, in the family. That's what we were, we were a family. 
It was cause at one, somebody was always mad. We're removed from our natural families. So we have to, we, we make bonds and friendships. Leonard Singletary, an inmate confined to the HIV ward at Limestone, has watched makeshift prison families come and go over time. We're closer than a lot of families on the street. We live together, we sleep together, we shower together, we use the bathroom together. Most families can at least close the door. Man, that prison life something serious, little fellas. All y'all that's dying to go there and, and, and to see what it's like. Y'all think it's fun. You think it's fun in games. A lot of people don't make it out of there. A lot of people go in for a few months or for a year and end up getting two years, five years, ten years, or even more time than what they originally went in for with. So, I mean, keep those things in mind. If that's the life you want to live, if people sitting there plotting on you from the time you walk in the door, they already plotting on you. You young, you fresh meat, you look like you ain't never been there before, you not educated about the prison system, they already plotting on you, bruh. Don't be a victim of that. Don't be a victim um, of a stabbing or don't be a victim of a rape. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can avoid all of that, you can avoid going to jail. You can avoid having to live like those guys. You can avoid having a boo game run on you and niggas sitting there um, loaning you out stuff and giving you cookies and giving you snacks. And at the end of the day, you got to pay for it one way or another. Ass or cash. They not playing. You just heard them. Them boys, booty warriors, they, they live that life. They they love that prison life. They not getting out no time soon. They in for the long haul. You feel me? So if you're not really on that and if you're not um, secure with your sexuality, that's definitely not the place you want to be because they definitely going to take it from you. You feel me? By force or by your own choice. But it's definitely going down. So if you don't want that for your future if they ain't what you want bruh i advise you to get you a job or find you something else to do with your time instead of going to prison for some years taking time out of your life away from your family and kids so if you can get you a job find you something to do fucking wash cars or whatever you have to do uh find somebody you could talk to and they might be able to point you in the right direction for a job. You could go to a labor pool. You could go anywhere. But don't let recidivism um, catch up to you. Don't let you be one of those statistics. We trying to stop reentry. We trying to get those numbers down. We trying to stop people from going to prison. But like that guy said, a lot of guys get out and they go right back. I mean, they turned out. You know, ain't no, ain't, I guess ain't no hope for them. They gonna go for as many times as they want, as many times as they like. Um, and you know what they see in there or what happens in there, not really bothering them. But I advise y'all, if you're not really into that lifestyle, if you're not on that, man, stay away from going to jail, stay away from prison and, and live a good life out here. You don't have to work for 10 cent a day or you don't have to work for free. You don't have to be out on the side of the road sweeping up and cleaning up for free, washing cars and shit for free for them. 
washing the deputies' cars, the chief cars. You don't have to do none of that shit, bro. Stay out here. Go get you a job. Stay out here with your family and live a good life. It could happen for me. It could happen for anybody else. You just have to be around the right people and you have to want to do better. You have to want to do right by your family and friends and kids. You have to want to do right. If you don't want to do right, then it's going to be a revolving door for you. But again, there's people out here that'll help you. Um, check out the FRRC. You feel me? That Restoration Coalition, they doing big things. And shout out to Erica um, Rocks um, up there doing her thing up in North Florida. Um, my boy Derek Dexter Gunn doing his thing right here in Broward. Um, I think you got Derek Mead, um, he doing his thing. I mean, you got a few different people um, right here in the Broward County area, the Tri-County area, um, fighting for our rights, fighting for our lives, fighting for us to have somewhere to stay. These guys are going up to Tallahassee, they writing legislation, they writing letters, they doing what they have to do, they're being proactive, and they doing this for all of us, not just them because they have felonies. They doing it for all of us. You feel me? They got the time and the resources to travel up there and they're doing it on all of our behalf. Black and brown people alike. So when you guys get a chance and you get to meet them, make sure you shake their hand and thank them for what they're doing in um, communities across the country. The FRRC. Okay? So make sure you check them out. Um, and again, I'd like to give a shout out to um, all of the cities and different um, countries that um, listen to Convicted Conversations. Um, it's a bunch of different countries out there. I want to give a shout out that South Africa, the Ukraine, um, Japan, Bahamas, Barbados, Nigeria, uh, South Africa, again, Russia, Oman, Hong Kong, Norway, and Dominican Republic. They all out there um, listening to Convicted Conversations. So I appreciate y'all. If any of y'all have a story from your hometowns, if any of y'all got a felony um, from whatever country you guys are living in, hit me up, leave me a voicemail or a message on Anchor, um, or you can send me an email, G McDonald, that's G-M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D 480 at gmail.com. You can reach me there, or you can contact me at 754-281-0525. And again, we're here to help. Um, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle, another pioneer that's out there helping different communities, helping his own hood and somebody from his own hood um, shot him down in the streets, broad daylight. Um, so that's another thing that um, black people gotta be conscious of. We have to be aware that um, somebody sent me earlier um, a message um, and they were saying something about a, a black man's oath. And they were saying a black man's oath. As of today, I have no problems with other black men. My goal is not to hurt or harm you, but support and uplift you. We have enough enemies. Be safe out here, black man. And that's the black man's oath. We tired of each other dying and killing each other and arguing and hurting each other over petty stuff. We can stop it, we can control it, and we can control the next generation that's coming up and for them not to be doing the same thing. We could watch what we do around them and say around these kids so they don't repeat the same cycle. But again, this is Gary with Convicted Conversations. 
And again, you don't have to let your environment dictate your future. Spread the word, share my page, like my page, check out my page on Facebook, No Felony Ever. And we talk about these same topics. I also share um, all of the podcasts um, onto that page as well. No Felony Ever. If you guys don't know what No Felony Ever means, um, if you go to look for a place to stay, it could be a high rise, it could be a condo, an apartment. If you have a felony, they have something that's called no felony ever. It means you can never live there with a felony. Now, if you go and open up your company or you get it incorporated and LLC it and so forth, and you dress the part, you talk the part, you look the part, nine out of 10 times, you will be able to live in those same places under your business name, your company's name and your tax ID number. So spread the word, share that information and continue to like my page and continue to listen. I also have a box on there um, for listener support. You guys could support the podcast monthly, yearly. Um, you can also send donations through um, Cash App, Convicted, C-O-N-V-I-C-T-E-D, Convicted, C, C as in Charlie. You can send donations there as well, Convicted, C on Cash App. Thanks for listening to me. Spread the word and you guys be safe out there. And again, don't let that felony dictate your future. Thank you and good night.